Okay, I got 6.30, we'll get started. Uh, I was thinking after last Wednesday night there was something I didn't do I should have done, is I just assumed that everybody knew who Ken Ham was, and I didn't really introduce him in any way and just throw his video up here and say, hey, that guy. So uh, he's modern day Noah, he's the guy that built the ark. So Ken Ham is the founder of the Answers in Genesis ministry it's located in northern Kentucky. He is the guy who uh, first did the Creation Museum up there, which if you've never been to, you should go. And he's the guy that recently built the ark up there, the giant replica of Noah's ark. And uh, he's been in the ministry over here since the 80s. I remember watching a video of his back in the 80s and was blown away. Uh, so. Uh, I've been uh, kind of a student of his for some time. I actually invited him personally to come speak at this church in October, and I got turned down, and he's sending his number two guy, which we've got on the calendar to come speak here in October. Uh, I was hoping to get him, but I was unable to. And uh, so I just want to give you that heads up. Let's pray, and we'll get started. Lord, we need you. The world is... Uh, turning upside down. So Lord, the truth still remains. So Lord, we're seeking to know you through your word. We're seeking to be a people of the word who can stand on the word regardless of our circumstances. So Lord, I pray that through this series you'll reveal the truth and that Lord, you'll use each of us individually and as the body of Christ to proclaim the truth of the gospel to a world that doesn't know. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not surprising to me that the unbelieving world rejects this. It should not be a surprise to you that the unbelieving world rejects this. Why? Why do you think they're called the unbelieving world? We'd have to change their name if they believed. So they don't believe this. That's not surprising. In fact, the unbelieving world, quite frankly, is following their nature. They follow their nature. Believers are supposed to follow their nature, and our nature has been overwritten with the power of the Holy Spirit. But the unbelievers don't have the Holy Spirit, so they follow their nature, natural man, the natural heart of man, which is fallen. What is surprising and tragic is that many inside the church are doing the same thing as the world. And what I mean by that is this, many inside the church have abandoned the truth. Is the Bible the Word of God? If you want to study the conflict in the modern church, it comes from this question. Is the Bible the Word of God? I think you have to slide that slider up further one way or the other. I'm, I'm disappeared into the mountain. I love technology. So, so I'll ask you tonight, is the... Bible, the Word of God. You see, if it is, then it creates a worldview. It creates a way that you measure everything, not something, everything. So you've heard me on numerous occasions come here and say, I believe what I hold in my hand is the only physical source of absolute truth on this planet. You know, I don't struggle with that. I don't. I've never struggled with that. I grew up as a kid just and I don't want to act like it's because I was taught that way. I've come to find it to be true. 
I found it to be true that what it says, it does. It, it, it isn't just ideology, it's power. It's truth. Before the video tonight, I need to do something. I want, you, I want to explain the seven C's. On the very back of this handout, you'll see seven C's. If you were to go into our children's ministry, you'd see seven C's on the wall. You're going to hear him talk about it tonight, and I need to kind of give you this idea. The first four C's, and this is something Ken Helm did at the Creation Museum. Um, the first four C's are the foundation of the last three. The first C is creation. Obviously, I don't need to tell you what that means. That, that's got, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How do I know that? Well, I didn't find that out in public school. I found that out in the Bible. That in the beginning, God created the heavens. So the, so the first C is, is uh, creation. The second C is corruption, the fall of man. So when Adam and Eve sinned, that was corruption. Sin entered into mankind. Now these are foundational. Here's what you got to get. These C's are the first four C's are the foundation of the final three. Number three, the third C is catastrophe. What? God looked and he saw that every inclination of man's heart was evil all day long. And he said, I will judge the world. A great catastrophe, the flood. The fourth C is confusion. After the flood, they all tried to come to, he told them to scatter across the entire earth and fill the earth. And what they do? They all huddled together in a place called Babylon, built a tower in rebellion against God to make a name for themselves when they were never supposed to name, make a name for themselves. God brought confusion. The multiple languages that led to multiple nations find that that's the fourth C. Now, those four C's are the foundation of the next three. The next C is Christ. You know what that means. It, it's God sent the Savior to undo, to unravel all the problems in the first four C's. And then after Christ comes the cross. He's born of a virgin, but he dies as the Savior of the world. And finally, the final C is consummation, which means what? Well, when you consummated your marriage, that's when two people became one person. I don't need to go into more detail than that one. We're called the bride of Christ. The wedding supper is what we're looking forward to. So here's the story. These seven C's, can you imagine, it, can you evangelize the world with the last three C's while rejecting the first four? Here's what I want you to think about. Can I, can I go out today to somebody and say, you need Jesus because you're a sinner. And they'd have never read the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. By the way, all four of these, all, all four of these C's, the first four C's are in Genesis 1 through 11. Well, they don't even know what's, why do I need Jesus? Because I have sin. Well, where did sin come from? Where'd sin come from? Well, it, it, you'd know that if you read Genesis. Why do people die? You're going to die in your sin. Why do people die? Well, it's probably because we eat bologna <laughs> and pork and we drink milkshakes. So if you don't eat bologna and pork and milkshakes, you're going to live forever? No, you're going to die. Why do people die? It's in Genesis. 
You see, you, you, it's hard to communicate the gospel of Christ if all of the foundations have been removed, that people reject those foundations. We need to understand the foundations. And Israel, for example, was used by God to reveal the first coming of Jesus. They were used by God. God revealed who he was to the world who, through whom. How? He did it through a group of people called the Jewish people. And the church is supposed to be used by God to reveal the second coming of Jesus. In fact, our whole mission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're, we're, as the Jewish people revealed the coming, the Messiah's coming, we're supposed to reveal that the Messiah's coming again. Make the people ready for the wedding, which is what? The consummation, the marriage, or the finish. Did you know that God predicted the abandonment of those four seas in 2 Peter? Did you hear me? God predicted that in our time, the modern world would abandon the four seas. They would abandon them. I want to read it to you. This is, this is 2 Peter. This is Peter's teaching after the death and the burial and resurrection of Christ in the church age. Here's what he says. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, okay, so what are we talking about? Near the end of time, scoffers will come and they'll mock the truth and they'll follow their own evil desires. What's the truth? What's, what are they mocking? They'll, I'm holding it up. They'll mock the truth and they'll follow their own evil desires. If you reject this, guess what? You're going to put something in its place because something has to be there. You can't live based on nothing. So if you reject the truth, you're going to put something else in its place. They'll mock the truth and follow their own evil desires. And what will they say when they start following their own evil desires? This is prophecy. He says that they'll say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From, for, from before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Where's your Jesus? I, I people say that to me now. You know, you talk all the time about Jesus coming. You know, if he's going to come, he'd been here by now. It's been 2,000 years. Where's this Jesus coming? And then they do this, verse 5. They deliberately forget what? God made the heavens by the word of his command. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They will deliberately forget. You know what that means? They did it on purpose. They deliberately forget that God created everything, the heavens and the earth. And number two, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it by water. In other words, and there was dry ground, and from the dry ground he made the seas. And they deliberately forget the creation order. Now here's the second thing they deliberately forget. And then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. Two things. So let me prove it to you. Can you go to any modern American university and find those two things taught in academia? That the origin of man is, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. No, no. Can you go to public school and find this? No. Can you go to public school and find the second one? That God not only created the heavens and the earth with his word, with his word, but he then brought judgment upon them in the great flood. Public school teaching that? Nope. Universities teaching that? No. They deliberately forget. This is prophesied by Peter. When? In the last days. Where's this Jesus guy? 
Look at verse 7. And by the same word, there's one more. And by the same word, what? That he made the heavens and the earth. And by the same word that he brought the flood and the judgment. By the same word, the present heavens. Now that's if you go out here and look around right now. Look at where we're standing and look up in the sky. By the same word that did the original, the present heavens and earth are, have been stored up for what? Water? Uh-uh. For fire. Right now. There's a prophecy that the present heavens and the present earth are going to be destroyed by fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. The last day scoffers will mock or deny four specific events that are all related to the beginning and the end. Two of the four items below are spelled out in great detail in Genesis and they explain the reason that the other two are coming at the end of the church age. What are they going to mock? They will say, when's this return? When's Jesus coming? They will mock it. They'll scoff it. You think the modern world's doing it? They're doing it. They're making fun of us. You're one of those guys who's waiting for this guy to come out of the clouds. Yes, I'm that guy. You really believe there's going to be a loud shout, the voice of our archangel and trumpet blast, and you're going to go up. That's me. And then when somebody does that to me, I'll say, and your plan was what? What was your plan? They're going to put you in a box, and they're going to put the box in the ground, and where are you going? What's your plan? Number two, they will deliberately forget and overlook or overlook the fact that God's Word created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. Or we came from what? Ice crystals from other universes. That was one of the ideas. Or from Mars. They will deliberately forget or overlook the fact that God judged the world with a worldwide flood in the time of Noah. Look, here they go. Creation, flood, judgment. There's another. If you can reject the first judgment of the flood, you will be easier to reject that there's another judgment coming. It's easy. It's easy. In fact, when I was at the Creation Museum during a tour a few years ago, I can't remember exactly the wording, but there's a picture of the serpent wrapped around and says, if you can convince them that the flood never happened, it'll be easy to convince them that the next judgment will also never happen. What was the flood? It's Judgment Day. It's Judgment Day. Eight people made it. On Judgment Day. Not very good math, is it? Finally, they will deliberately deny that this present heaven and earth are going to receive a future judgment of fire by denying the judgment of water in Noah's day. Deliberately deny. So that's the background. We got a 29-minute video that Katie's going to fire up, and I want you to watch that, and then we'll come back and finish up. You know what's happened in America? We change religions. God's Word was traded... Or man's word. And here's what's interesting. Have you ever gone back and looked at what Satan told Eve? What did he tell her? You can be God. You can be like God. You know what that really means? You can make your own decisions about right and wrong. You don't have to have somebody else telling you what to do. You can be like God. You don't have to listen to him. What man's word, your word, 
becomes equal to God's word. Satan lied. Your word can't become equal to God's word. It's a false religion. Romans 1.25 says they traded the truth of God, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That false religion, let's call it man's word, or there's another word called humanism. That false religion has invaded the church. It's in the church. Let's be honest. Many have tried to adjust the church to attract the people to it rather than our assignment. What is our assignment? Preach the word. Preach the word. Well, what if they don't come? Preach the word anyway. Preach the word. Let there be no doubt man's word is a false religion. It's a false religion. Why? Because man is fallen. In Jeremiah, back in the Old Testament, it says this. Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The heavens are shocked at such a thing and shrink back in horror and dismay, says the Lord. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can never hold, they can hold no water at all. Here's the thing. If you abandon God, if you abandon the Word, you are forced to put something in its place. <coughs> he said they did two evil things. They abandoned me, and then they built cisterns to replace him. They abandoned the source of living water, but you got to have water. So they build a cistern that leaks. And that's the, what's happened. We abandon the Word of God, but we find out that a civilized society has to have something, so we put in something of our own, a replacement. It's called idolatry. It's a false religion. What did Paul do when he was confronted with this false and feudal humanist religions in Athens, Greece. And I want to do something tonight. This is probably the most effective way I can communicate this. The Apostle Paul had the Holy Spirit, and he walks into Athens, Greece, the intellectual, cultural center of the world. I preached a sermon on this not too many weeks ago. And he meets the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. And I don't have time tonight to go through it, but the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers are equal to intellectual academia in our current day, godless intellectual academia. They are humanists. They are atheists. And yet, what's curious is these humanists back in Athens, Greece, when Paul was doing his missionary journey, they, were, they had idols. And yet they reject the true God but make an idol, which proves that if you reject God, you've got to come up with some kind of a replacement. Something's got to be there. If you're going to stop the living water, you're going to make a cracked cistern. You're going to put something there. So here's, here's how, did, so how does Paul, under the Holy Spirit, deal with it? Here we go. Let me read it to you. I'll try to go fast. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews, the God-fearing Gentiles. He spoke daily in the public squares to all uh, who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. 
When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say about these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. You see, Jesus was a foreign god to them. Then he took them to the high then they took him, Paul, to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. Now, these are intellectuals, okay? These are the learned people of the world in that time. I notice that you're religious. For I was walking along, and I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. What did Paul just do? He just announced Genesis 1. He is the God who created the world and everything in it. And since he is Lord of heaven and earth... He doesn't live in man-made temples. And what was around him? What was, what's in Athens, Greece? Man-made temples. He do, this God doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. Why? Because he himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. And here he comes. Verse 26. He announces what? Adam. From one man. God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God, perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now something's changed. Jesus changed something. By now, he commands everyone everywhere to what? Repent of their sins and turn to God. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by doing what? What proves that Jesus is who he says he is? By raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. Then that ended Paul's discussion with them, and here's the conclusion. Here's the conclusion. Some joined him and became believers. Preach the word. Just preach the word. Is everybody going to get it? Nope. Is there going to be a great falling away before the return of Christ? Yes, but woe to those through whom it comes. Everybody's not going to get it. So what does that mean? We try to water down the truth and try to get people. If you water it down to get them, you didn't get them. You didn't get anything. Is evolution, this is important. And he touched on it, and I'm going to finish with it. Is evolution a salvation issue? No. It's not. I'm not saved because I believe in a six-day creation. It's not a salvation issue in itself. Are old earth believers destined to be lost? No. Not in itself. 
If, if you come to me and say you believe that the, the earth is billions of years old. I've been to the Grand Canyon. I had that park ranger tell me that over millions and millions and millions and millions of years, the Colorado River cut that. And here I am over there going. <laughs> trying not to get thrown off the tour. Why? I don't agree. In fact, one of the beautiful things, what hooked me in, 19, in the 1980s is when Mount St. Helen showed that what they say takes millions and millions of years happened in one month by a catastrophic worldwide event, the flood, when the entire earth changed. But if your starting point is there is no God, you're going to have to put something in there that makes sense. So you know what they add? Time. And time so large that you can't compute it. You can't measure it. And that little Colorado River that I'm standing at the top looking down at, and they tell me that little bitty river cut that. Well, the only way that little bitty river could have ever cut that is if the number of years is so astronomically large that nobody can carry the conversation on anymore. Because who could calculate it? I can't calculate it. But what if there was a flood? And in that flood, it was the judgment. Evolution is an abandonment of the authority of God's word. So it is, is evolution a salvation issue? In itself, no. So please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. It's not. But the danger of evolution is not evolution. The danger of evolution is telling somebody that you don't have to take that as authority or that as authority or that as authority. But, but Jesus died for you. And over time, somebody's going to figure out that if that and that and that and that and that aren't true, why is that true? And that's salvation. And that's salvation. You know why I say that? Romans 10, 16. Not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, look, said, Lord, who has believed what? Who has believed what? Our message. How would you know about Isaiah's message? How'd you, how do you know Jesus rose from the dead? Well, I read it in the Bible. Is that the same book that said that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and then in the beginning man fell and in the beginning sin entered Adam so he says verse 17 let me, let, me, let me rephrase this you know what salvation issue is singular salvation faith faith not your works it's not whether I intellectually believe in six day creation or not salvation is a work of Faith. Faith. Look at verse 17. So where do I get faith? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? That is hearing the good news about Christ. Can anybody in the room tell me the source of the hearing of the good news? There's only one source. And if you discount that source, Luke 21, 
Jesus says these words. In fact, I've always found it interesting when Jesus ends up with Satan in the wilderness, he's got the Holy Spirit, he goes to the wilderness and Satan comes at him and he starts trying to question, are you really, if you are the son of God, you're not the son of God, you couldn't be the son of God, you're a regular guy. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. What's Jesus say? He quotes this book. Folks, that's all I need. That's all I need. That's all I need. Uh, you know, I'm convinced. He, he is the Son of God. He had supernatural power. And, and what, how does he manifest his power? He said, And the scriptures say, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Satan leaves. What does it tell you about this? What does it tell you about this? It's powerful. It's true. How much of it? All of it. All of it. If you don't believe this chapter, why would you believe that chapter? Jesus said, Luke 21, heaven and earth will disappear. I read to you from Peter. He said, it's reserved for fire. It's going to burn up. There was a flood. We're not going to get a flood the next time. Next time it's going to be a fire. Heaven and earth will disappear. But what? But my word will never disappear. So here's the last question. What's his word? What is it? You see, we're betting our soul on the answer to that question. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. And you got a copy. And you know how to read. And there's a cure to death. And you can escape the fire that's coming. This is really good news. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, awaken your bride. Awaken the church. That, Lord, we can carry out this mission to preach the gospel. Proclaim the good news to those who don't know. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom in the sermon. Give us a passion for the lost. And Father, hold us tight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.